Hi, uh, it's Eddie, and before we dive into episode 68 of the Gamer Node show, I just wanted to leave a quick introductory note that what you're about to hear is a fine podcast, but I had a little bit of a microphone issue when we made this recording. So what I did was I cleaned it up as much as I could. Um, I made it a relatively short show and cut out as much of the noise and distortion as I could do and equalize the show as well as I could with what I was working with. But the discussion was good, so I felt like it was worth still posting. Um, We're talking about a couple of board games, and they are ones that I think are worth checking out and worth listening to Bianca and I uh, wax poetic, as she says later on in the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And on the next episode, you'll be sure that we'll be back to our standard level of quality, uh, much more like what you're hearing right now. I didn't want anyone to jump onto the show and hear it and think, oh my god, this is the worst produced garbage I've ever heard. So, sorry about that. I hope you still enjoy it, and look out for episode 69 coming in soon. Thanks. Now let's roll that music. Welcome to episode 68 of the GamerNode Show podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Anzato, editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com, and I am back once again with Bianca Figueroa-Santana to talk some games. How are you doing, Bianca? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Wonderful. I'm really excited. I'm very, very excited. We've played some cool games lately. We don't. We can't talk about all of them. Uh because there's just been Unfortunately. so much going on. But, um, but we can talk about a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk about a couple. So maybe we should just uh, skip the pleasantries and jump right into the games we want to talk about today, because we don't have any news, we don't have any uh, special topics. We just want to talk about the games that we've played. Uh, we're going to save the one that we played the most for the end and start off with a game that we've played a little bit of. We played Above and Below which is not the newest of games. I mean, Ryan Lockett and Red Raven Games uh, just came out with Islebound, which we also played a little bit of, but we don't feel ready to talk about it. And they also just finished the Kickstarter for the sequel to Above and Below, Near and Far. But we played some Above and Below for the first time and uh, thought it was... What? Spectacular. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, It felt like a... Tales of the Arabian Nights killer for, I guess, both of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really see much of a reason to ever play storytelling games like... Uh, it, I mean, it demolished, it demolished Tales of the Arabian Nights, in my opinion. Right. And um, they will be coming out with the new quest book for Above and Below, because it is kind of thin. It doesn't have nearly as many scenarios or events as in uh, the Tales book, but, you know, it's a good size, and you won't really run into them super frequently because of the way it's randomized with dice and and everything. But uh, Mm. we know that at least uh, Ryan Lockett and Red Raven are still supporting Above and Below because there were components and expansions for Above and Below in the Near and Far Kickstarter. 
So what did you like about it? Uh, what did I not like about it? Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I'll start with the superficial. I love the artwork. Uh, yeah. I love the colors. I think the illustrations are phenomenal. I think it's really visually stimulating. Um, the concept is pretty simple. You basically have a personal player board, and you have rectangular pieces that are illustrated with characters that have different skills, which we can get into in a moment. And all you're doing is moving them from one side of your board to another. So they start as ready in terms of they're ready to do work. After you use them for a specific action, they are exhausted. And so you move them over to the exhausted column. And then if you need to exert them or injure them in order to gain an advantage, for example, uh, boosting your die roll by one point, um, you put them in that column. So in terms of engineering, it's pretty simple, but it feels really exciting. Um, And the simplicity is... The simplicity is just really impressive in light of the fact that it feels very, very dynamic. Mm. Yeah, I just, for me, it's just the fact that it combines the storytelling aspect with other, like, stuff to actually do. You know, there's there's that use of the workers to either build or, and and I guess building encompasses a lot of different things because the different buildings do different things, be it get you goods that you can add to that advancement track or give you points or special actions or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. you can recruit new people with your other kinds of guys with their specific skills to recruit. And that's cool. And when you have these options to grow your little village and then alternatively go out questing and not only get the story element, but also have to contribute to that by rolling dice to see if you succeed based on right. how much how much uh, exploring talent you've sent out. It just feels like you're actually engaged in every aspect of the game uh, in a really mm-hmm. cool way and everything plays off of each other because yeah. you don't just go out and quest and have these stories for nothing. You gain items that like goods that you'll put in your advancement track or, or you'll get money or you'll gain reputation which which helps you at the end of the game when you're scoring points and if you're successful you'll be able to then open up a space for a different type of building that you can only get in that quote below portion of above and below which is where you go questing and now you can get these different buildings for usually less money so everything you do feels like it has a purpose and mm-hmm. uh, and it's nothing is too complicated, which I really love. Uh, but it feels but it feels really good to just try every aspect of the game. We talked a little bit about balance in terms of Sky Dynasty, but um, here I was I was also really impressed with the balance. As you were saying, there's uh, more the story questing portion, and then there's more the traditional buying cards that represent buildings and doing actions like harvesting uh, fruit or finding treasure. Um, and I like that both of those aspects have their limitations um, that sort of force you to actually go back and forth. So you could theoretically do an entire game without questing, but it wouldn't be as fruitful 
as a game in which you're playing both sides, so to speak. Um, so in terms of the above portion, which is where, as I said, you're harvesting goods or buying buildings or buying beds so that you can recruit more workers, um, a major limitation is going to be money. A major limitation is going to be how many um, valuable goods you can get. Uh, and in terms of the questing, the limitation is, as it usually is, um, sometimes you make the bad decisions and you don't get anything. Uh, so that's the risk. And sometimes you will you roll your dice and you hope you get a certain number, but you don't. And then that's, that stinks. Uh, but <laughs> of course, when you do get rewarded for questing, the rewards are totally worth it. Um, so not to repeat myself, but, but yeah, I really like that. You really have an incentive to enjoy both parts of the game, the above and the below. Um, which is just very artful. To have that synergy uh, in such a balanced way um, is really excellent. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. And this get only gets me even more excited for the sequel, Near and Far, which finished its Kickstarter, and now everyone's waiting patiently. And that should be around, I think, next year. So that, that'll be really cool to see where we go when we take the above and below world outside of the village and into the large atlas of maps and this sort of area control uh, mechanic and exploration of that world. That's going to be really cool. And uh, I have the utmost faith in Red Raven and Ryan Lockett and all the fine art and smooth mechanics combining into really great games because that seems to be all he knows how to do. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. He only knows how to be masterful. Yeah, pretty much. Not a bad compliment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that was, that was our play of above and below. We're going to try to get a video review out on that sometime soon also. Which you should watch because the art is amazing. Exactly. It, it only does it justice in video. Exactly. Um, but the other thing that we actually already have a review out on, we kind of got a little obsessed with and played a whole mess mm -hmm. of times because it's also really good, right? It is. I I had to warm up to it. Um, I think you know I was not completely enamored the first and second times I played it, but over time I, I came to like it. Yeah, that's 51st State, the complete master set from Portal Games and Ignacy Trevacek. Um, super cool. Kind of takes... So 51st State was released a while back, and then it was updated with the New Era expansion and the Winter expansion, and then they went ahead and put out Imperial Settlers, which sort of streamlined everything, and um, I guess in my opinion, kind of automated things a little bit in the way that it was sort of simplified. But then 51st State, the complete master set, combined the 351st States and a lot of those mechanical changes of Imperial Settlers while still keeping some of the original, uh, obviously the theme, but also some of the differences in mechanics that 51st State had employed way back when. And I think it is a really good game for that. And I think it's worth heading over to our YouTube channel and or 
just on the website. It's embedded there in the post. Uh, checking out the video because I really kind of exhaustively went through the rules. Um, but, you know, essentially you're playing cards as one of these four factions, each of which specializes in sort of a, a different long-term strategy in order to gain the most points by building various production buildings, special feature buildings, and buildings that allow you to take actions each round in order to build this engine of goods, actions, and eventually points to win the game as quickly as possible because it's kind of a race. And it, it works really well. I just found it uh, the only negative to me really was that sometimes it could be a little lucky if you don't get the right draw because it is just pulling cards randomly from a deck. And I think the the winter deck helped kind of balance things out a little bit. And overall, I feel like it's good. But um, yeah, that was that's my full summary. So what did you think uh, overall? Like, are there any particular gripes you had? Anything uh, particularly awesome you thought? Anything you think people should know about the game that I don't feel like saying? Mm, I think you covered a lot of it. I to be sort of nitpicky in terms of going a little bit more, a little bit deeper. I in with the original the base game, one thing that we determined was as you were saying, it feels unbalanced or imbalanced if you're not drawing the cards that you need that really go with whatever your special skill is. Um, one specific card that is sort of, you know, six in one's craw is the heavy machinery card and whoever gets that, at least in the base game, has a huge advantage um, and it can be hard to catch up. And especially when it is a race, you can't really come up from behind as much as other games because once your opponent is, you know, 10 or so points in front of you, you're probably going to lose because you're only playing up to 25. Um, yeah. But I agree with and you. And their engine is already rolling, you know, firing on all cylinders, pumping out points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. Like you and can, You can demolish your opponent's locations, but it costs a lot to do that because you have to use guns to build up your um, spoils tokens or, or what are they called, um, raise tokens, and then spend a lot of them on that heavy machinery card or any action card really. Mm -hmm. So to come back from that deficit, like having spent so much time just to eliminate that card while your opponent was just making progress, you're kind of like spinning your wheels there. Yeah, there's a huge opportunity cost. And similarly, we talked about um, with your special skill, you can you can only do it once per turn, basically. So, to some extent, it's not that much of an advantage because, uh, again, if you're not getting the correct cards that make it profitable for you to take certain actions in addition to your special skill, that is to say if you're relying solely on your special skill, you're not going to get very far because you can only use it once per turn. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't come into this game thinking that you're going to be doing tons of stuff right off the bat. You kind of have to slowly build yourself into any sort of force on, on yeah. the round. 
very, very slowly, I think, compared to other games. Um, and a lot of that is compared- dependent on what cards you draw. Yeah, and I think this is one of those games. I think this is one of those games that if you do not start off well, I mean, albeit slowly, but if you don't start off well, you can actually just have a very terrible game and not, and pretty much feel like you're not accomplishing anything. And you can leave the table sort of being like, I, that was a waste of time because I, I just didn't it didn't progress at all. Um, and I think that's possible given the limitations of the special skills and the randomness of the deck. Um, but I agree with you. I think the an, import, an important thing to note is that I think the um, expansion decks make the game significantly better. And I enjoyed it so much more when we played with those decks. It just felt more dynamic. It felt that it uh, eliminated some of those issues of oh, I'm not going to get the card that I want, um, and then I'm going to be, you know, screwed. Uh, so I was, I really enjoyed it after playing with that, and honestly, I don't know that I would ever go back to playing the base game because I find it to be more frustrating than, than anything else. Yeah, I basically leave the winter deck shuffled into the main deck all the time, and it's just so much better. It gives you so many more opportunities to advance you know, there are more cards that help you generate contact tokens and resources and just, like, have a better go of playing the game. And I don't want to overstate, like, the luckiness of the game uh, and, like, the randomness of the cards because, yeah, it can happen, but a lot of times it's sort of one personal will get some bad cards and then maybe they'll get some better ones later and then the person who was getting good ones before will get some worse ones later. I, I don't know. I think it's totally possible to get some bad cards in the beginning and some bad cards in the middle and some bad cards in the end. I think that's totally possible. Yeah, but at least at least the game is, uh, you know, it's relatively speedy. And for me, it feels like when I play a game of 51st State, I kind of want to finish. Like when I finish, I kind of want to jump back in and play another one and maybe like be a different faction and focus on something different. Because you like maybe one time I'll focus on building as many buildings as I as I can. You know, producing a lot of stuff. Maybe another time I'll make a lot of deals. Maybe another time I'll make all like action buildings. Maybe another time I'll focus on raising cards and gaining spoils and maybe even attacking my opponent. And then another time I might. I might, you know, strategize to build low-level cards and then redevelop them using bricks if I'm like the Appalachian Federation and then quickly bump up to those level three cards. So there are a lot of different ways to play, and it's sort of fun to go through the game and try different avenues, and I like that. I like that that's possible, and I like that there's a variety of cards in there that let you follow those different paths. And because you can do... like three different things with each card you have a lot of options and every time you're looking at your hand since you're looking at you know maybe six cards with three different options each there's a lot of juggling that you can do with all the different actions you can take and that feels pretty fun to figure out the puzzle that you're holding in your hand and be like okay i got it this is what i'm going to do this is how i'm going to use these resources this is how i'm going to use these contact tokens and it's going to be great until it's not. Mm, I, it's actually interesting because I'm sitting here be, thinking to myself, wow, you really see the dynamism in this game that I do not, which is cool. Uh, you know, 
I think that's the point uh, is sort of expressing differences of opinion. That's the point of a review. But I, yeah, I am reacting to your description and saying, I don't, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I don't feel that way at all. But you I like mean, I feel right? that way. I, I feel, yeah, I feel that way, but you're like waxing poetic about it. And I just, I don't, I'm not at that point yet. I don't feel like there's a huge puzzle that I'm figuring out. Oh, uh, okay. Well, if I'm waxing poetic about 51st State, let me tell you about battle monkeys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm serious. I want to, I want to talk about this one. I, uh, I forgot to mention it before we started, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about with 51st State? Or does that pretty much cover it, like your general opinion? That pretty much covers it. That covers my general opinion for sure. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it can be lucky. Uh, maybe it's not as dynamic as I made it sound. Maybe it is as dynamic as I made it sound. But, you know, it's probably worth looking at at least. I think it's really cool. And the theme is cool, right? <laughs> Post-apocalyptic, that's not really common. Yeah, I like the dystopian in, in theme. Games, I mean, obviously, it's like super common <laughs> in the world, but, but in in board and card games, it's not super common. Yeah, I do like the theme. Mad Max Fury like Road, the, the game. But <laughs> let me tell you about Battle Monkeys. Let me tell you about Battle Monkeys. <laughs> um, so I got this game. Battle Monkeys, which I know you haven't played, so it's going to be kind of a one-sided conversation here. But uh, So I play Battle Monkeys. It's currently rated a 3 on my, uh, not on the Gamer Note scale, on my Board Game Geek uh, collection rating. That's 3 out of 10. So, yeah, that's like that's like a 2-ish in uh, Gamer Note world. But, oh, no. So, so, so it's basically a, um, it's like a, combat card game where you're, you're essentially drawing cards from a deck and each one is a different one of these battle monkeys and there are like four of them or five of them in the whole deck four different ones um, maybe maybe more than that but it doesn't feel like there's a lot and each one has like a strength or an ability or it's like a special sort of I think they say that they're spells, that they're like a special ability that they let you do if you just play them. And you can either play out these battle monkey soldiers for trying to attack your opponent's main general, and you're just using their power rating against them. Or you can play a card that gives you a special ability like double your strength here or heal this much or draw a new card or whatever. And then your opponent is playing cards to sort of defend against the power rating of what you just attacked with. And then depending on those ratings, they kill each other and then damage goes through to the other player's general. And it's a two to four player game. And it's basically just an exercise in kind of wasting your time. Um, oh, it, it's, it's like, it's like not a game almost. Um, <laughs> I think this might be the most critical I've ever heard you. Oh man. Uh, well, you wait, can I ask a question? Though? Yeah. Mm, true. I should go back in the archive. 
Um, so I'm assuming that they the illustrations are monkeys. Like it's sort of like a Planet of the Apes-ish theme. Yeah, they're just uh, they're just little monkey armies, soldier okay. monkeys, okay. And monkey soldiers. But nothing sort of extraordinary. Yeah, it's. I mean, it could be the theme could be anything really. It's just they happen to be mm. probably the person who designed it, um, Brandon Lasseter, probably maybe didn't even conceive of it as monkeys. I don't know for sure. I can't really say. But um, you know, this is the type of game where they're like, this could literally be anything. It could be Romans. It could be spaceships. It could be whatever. But mm. it's. Uh, it's okay, I guess. It sounds like it's player. less than okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite. It's a player elimination game, and you kind of just go around the table attacking and defending in very monotonous fashion until mm. everyone's dead except one player. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't play? buy it. I certainly wouldn't buy it. Okay. It only takes 15 minutes. 15 to 45, depending on players. (laughs) Well, at least the torture may be short. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's best with with more players because there's more, you know, you attack me and then I attack him and then he attacks you and then you attack Mm -hmm. the other girl and she attacks, you know, and then the gang up people. But still, I, I, I would just play something else. Yeah, still, you're not you're not anywhere near waxing poetic about battle monkeys. No, and that yeah, I guess that was what uh, spurred this conversation. Was <laughs> I have been very positive with a lot of the reviews that we've put out lately, uh, and it's because we've been playing great games. You know. Yeah. I got time for no for no games that aren't great. I do research before I get games. Yeah, I know we got time for that. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, most of the time we will be telling you about good games because, like, whatever. You just heard about this game that wasn't good that you weren't going to buy anyway. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. So we will continue to spend more time talking about great games and being really excited about it. But, um, you just cracked me up so much on something that like was not even funny. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's kind of uh, what we've been playing, and that's and that I think that's our podcast. I think we could leave it there. That's episode sixty-eight of the Gamer Node Show, right? What do you have anything else? Uh, see you next time, and uh, enjoy board gaming. Nice. We'll work on our poetry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so Eddie and Zotto, Bianca Figueroa Santana, Gamernode.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, you know, Facebook.com slash Gamernode. We're at Gamernode on Twitter. And, of course, all of our video reviews that have been coming out lately and written reviews and whatever news we post all over the place. Just keep up with us and don't be afraid to say hi and keep listening and until next time have a lot of fun and we'll see you later bye thanks for stopping bye puppy chap